everyone, and welcome back to the Crossover Across Time podcast for the first episode of Week 7, a jam-packed Week 7, as you saw, I uh, assume you saw on our, our social media pages. We have a, a busy schedule plan the next couple of weeks, uh, but we're back Week 7. It's a Monday, and since it's a Monday, I'm joined by, uh, after a couple of weeks, we didn't have him, but he's back, our good friend Wyatt. How are you doing today, Wyatt? I am doing good. It is good to be back. It is good to have you back. We're glad to to be here. And we're both talking about the fact that we kind of have some obligations to take care of after the podcast uh, or after we record it, at least. So we're going to try and run through this a little bit quickly, a speed run, if you will. Um, so that being said, let's go ahead, waste no more time, and let's get right into our game summaries. And we're going to start, well, our, our five on five drill. Uh, of course, we've kind of rebranded that for all of the days of the podcast that we do game summaries. So we'll do our five on five drill, which includes the six men, the bonus notes, and our key news. So let's go ahead and jump right into that. Okay, for the five-on-five five drill, I've picked a couple interesting selections for our, our five games to talk about. Starting with this one, maybe a, not an exciting one, but I want to talk about these two teams. Uh, the Memphis Grizzlies winning in Dallas against the Mavericks, 108-94. to It was the first time this season that the Grizzlies had won consecutive games. So I think that was worth noting. We know that the Grizzlies have struggled mightily to start the year. Um, and some of that, you know, the, the John Morant suspension, we're still awaiting his uh, return to play and the, the you know, that suspension to run its course. But of course the injury concern has been uh, an even bigger factor for the Grizzlies. I would think, you know, cause we've seen in recent years, the Grizzlies deal with uh, the absence of John Morant and still play at least, you know, 500 basketball or, you know, win some games and lose some others, but they have had so many players that are injured. I mean, you look at the injury report right now, seven guys on there outside of Morant. I mean, you have Steven Adams out for the season, Brandon Clark gone. Kennard gone, Jake LaRavia, Derek Rose, Marcus Smart, Zaire Williams. And it's been even more than that. They've had so many injuries. That is a big factor. But they get their first consecutive wins this season, and they win it big in in Dallas. So I think that's credit to them. Um, Looking at the box score for the Mavericks, first of all, uh, leading scorers Derek Jones Jr. and Grant Williams, each of them with 16 Definitely a bit of the problem. Uh, no Luca in this game, so that's also a factor. But Kyrie, 10 points, uh, 20% from the floor. Josh Green with 10 points. And then off the bench, they had 12 points from Seth Curry. Definitely a struggle game. Um, yeah, you wonder kind of what happened. And we'll talk a little bit about the Mavericks with another game we're going to focus on. But the Grizzlies in particular, Desmond Bain, 30 points in this game. And he has had some stellar games. The way he's shooting the basketball, I mean, he's the de facto star for them, along with Jaron Jackson Jr., and uh, four of six from three-point range, he's been stellar. If we pull up his stats, let me see if I can find that real quick for you. Um, this season so far, averaging nearly 24 points a game, five assists, four and a half rebounds, uh, shooting, I mean, 37% from three isn't even his career high. It's actually a career low, but he's still been taking out a scoring workload. And he's done an admirable, admirable job off the bench for the Grizzlies. They had 19 points from Jalen Noel on the 10 day deal. They got 17 points, 12 boards from Santi Aldama and uh, 15 points, nine boards for Vince Williams, Jr. You know, so it's a nice win against the Mavericks. And for the Grizzlies, 
I, I don't think that they're going to do anything too amazing. I still think they're kind of maybe going to miss the playoffs and maybe even the play-in. But don't be surprised if they start to pick up a little more. Maybe they finish the season even in the periphery, or maybe they even do make the play-in. It's hard to say the in the Wild West, as we like to call it. But uh, just wanted to highlight that. And, you know, kudos to the Grizzlies. They're, they're certainly not giving up without a fight at the still pretty early point of the season. So that's our first game we're talking about. Let's jump to the next one. We're going to talk uh, a key matchup with two of the top teams in the East, the uh, Boston Celtics hosting the Philadelphia 76ers and the Celtics come out on top 125 to 119 in this game. Um, big victory against the Sixers. They did it again. I believe they beat the Sixers the last time those two teams played um, both times. It was a primetime matchup, 16 lead changes in this game. Uh, the game was tied 17 different times back and forth affair, a very definition of that, especially in the fourth quarter, but the Celtics have a nice run in the final few minutes to close out the victory for the Sixers. They were led by Patrick Beverly of all people. He actually tied his career high in points with 26 in the game, three of five from three point range. He also had eight rebounds, seven assists. Of course, the Sixers without Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey in this game, along with uh, Nick Batum. So definitely playing shorthanded, but they put up a pretty good fight without those guys. 21 from DeAnthony Melton. They got 18 off the bench from Robert Covington, who also had five steals. Great game for him. Uh, 14 each for Paul Reed, Tobias Harris, 13 for Marcus Morris Sr., and then 11 for Mo Bamba coming off the bench. Again, great effort for the Sixers, but the Celtics led by... Uh, four guys in uh, not only double figures, but 20 plus points in the game, seven double double figure scores, all told Uh, Tatum, Jason Tatum, Derek White, 21 points each, 20 points each for Jalen Brown and Al Horford, 13 for Drew Holiday, 11 off the bench for Sam Hauser and 10 off the bench for Peyton Pritchard. Um, That's a pretty well balanced scoring workload. They shot 48% from the three point range in the game. And uh, and that'll do it. Great job for the Celtics getting that win. They continue to cement themselves as a Eastern Conference power, uh, maybe the t- best team in the NBA up to this point in the season. Let's jump to our last uh, Friday game to talk about all the two games we talked about before we're on Friday. This game was also from Friday. And we're talking about the Denver Nuggets winning in Phoenix against the Suns, 119 to 111. Your final score in this game, uh, Nuggets controlled the game for the most part, even though it was a close fourth quarter within 10 points throughout the whole fourth quarter. Uh, Nuggets able to come out on top. But for the Suns, notable because Kevin Durant did pass Moses Malone on the all time career scoring leaderboard. He is now 10th. He's in the top 10 all time career scoring in the NBA Remarkable feat. Definitely congratulations to Kevin Durant for that accomplishment. He finished with 30 points in the game and 11 assists, also three blocks, showing the versatility of his game. The leading scorer, though, was Yusuf Nurkic, 31 points for him with six boards and two blocks. They got 16 from Eric Gordon, 13 points and 10 rebounds from Grayson Allen, and then 13 off the bench as well for Josh Okogie. Meanwhile, for the Nuggets, uh, Nikola Jokic, 21 points and 16 assists led them. They also got 20 from Reggie Jackson starting in place of uh, Jamal Murray. Looks like they're resting Murray, you know, giving him time to kind of get acclimated back into the lineup. Uh, At least I hadn't heard of any other injuries. Hopefully he did not get injured again. Uh, They got 19 points, 10 boards from Michael Porter Jr. Uh, 15 each from Justin Holiday and Catavius Caldwell-Pope and then 11 off the bench from the rookie Julian Strother. So uh, well-balanced game for the Nuggets and a great win for them 
especially with the uh, historic night for one of the greats in Kevin Durant. So that, that takes care of our three Friday games. Let's jump to Saturday and two more games we're going to focus on. We're going to start with the uh, Clippers and Warriors, a down to the wire affair, a big gutsy win for the Clippers. They win it at home 113 to 112, your final score in Los Angeles. And uh, a gutsy win, the Warriors led for all but like one minute of this game. And they led by as many as 22 points at the beginning of the third quarter. Looked like the Warriors were going to walk away with an easy win. The Clippers showed a lot of moxie to fight back and win this game. They're hoping it's kind of a turning point for their season. Um, and uh, it could be the case. That certainly would be great for them. For the Clippers, they were led by Paul George, 25 points, six boards, and six assists, including a dagger three that put them ahead in the final seconds, four of eight from three-point range for the game in total. They also got 21 points and nine assists from James Harden, 20 uh, 20 points from Kawhi Leonard, who also had eight rebounds and seven assists, uh, 12 points each for Evita Zubats, Daniel Tice, and Norman Powell. Um, So very well-balanced attack. Westbrook definitely taking the backup point guard role and it's seemed to help the Clippers a little more in recent games. Uh, so definitely credit to him. And then on the flip side for the Warriors, they were led by Stephen Curry, 22 points and 11 assists struggled shooting the ball a little bit in this game. They got 21 each from Moses Moody and Draymond green Moody starting in this game. And then 12 points off the bench from Brandon Pochemski. They also got 17 from clay Thompson. Um, yeah, below 45% for the game, below 40% from three. Not quite the Warriors basketball you'd expect. And uh, down the wire, not able to close it out. There's definitely concerns for the Warriors at that point. We'll talk about that a little more with our power rankings, I'm sure. But with that, let's jump to our last game. And that is the Mavericks again losing at home to the Oklahoma City Thunder despite a 30-0 to run at one point in the, this game, which was the largest run of any such kind, a shutout run of the play-by-play era, which goes back to the 1996-1997 NBA season. So the Mavericks have that kind of run, 30 unanswered points, and they still can't close out the victory. And I believe Luka did play in this game. And you can see it. It was right in the, uh, the fourth quarter where they clawed back and they took a lead towards the back part of the first of the fourth quarter and then they they couldn't hold on to the lead and the thunder still come out with a victory in this one for the mavericks luka Doncic, 36 points 18 assists 15 rebounds two steals two blocks not much he didn't do including turn the ball over he did have seven turnovers but still a monster game uh they got 24 points from Derek jones jr 20 points 16 rebounds and seven blocks from the standout rookie Derek lively the second uh, and then 12 points for Seth Curry, 12 points off the bench for AJ Lawson. No Kyrie Irving in this game. Again, worth noting, but you would still think, even though the Thunder are a surging team, that your veterans and your star power, Luka and or Kyrie, you'd be able to close out that game, especially with that kind of run. But it just didn't happen. The Thunder, meanwhile, had seven, actually eight players in double figures, led by Jalen Williams, that's L-E-N Williams, Santa Clara Williams with 23 points, five boards, five assists, uh, 17 for Shady Gilders Alexander with nine assists and five steals, uh, 15 from Cason Wallace off the bench, as well as Davis Bertans off the bench with 15. Jalen Williams, that's L-I-N Williams with 14, uh, 11 points, 11 rebounds for Chet Holmgren and four blocks, 10 points each for Lou Dort and Josh Giddy. 
I mean, they have so much talent on that roster. And again, we'll talk a little bit more about them with our power rankings. Just remarkable that the Mavericks couldn't quite pull it out with that type of a run. But otherwise, those are the five games that we wanted to focus on. As far as the other uh, stats of note or the other games we didn't have a chance to go more in depth on, uh, on Friday, the Magic also beat the Wizards at home, 130 to 125. That extended their win streak to nine. Um, the New York Knicks won in Toronto against the Raptors, 119 to 106. And the New Orleans Pelicans won at home against the San Antonio Spurs, 121 to 106. Those were your remaining Friday games. And then on Saturday, <clears throat> the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves won in Charlotte against the Hornets, 123 to 117. The Cleveland Cavaliers won in Detroit against the Pistons, 110 to 101. That extends the Pistons losing streak to 17 games. They did not win in the month of November. Definitely concerns for Detroit, uh, but we've talked about that a lot already on the podcast. The Brooklyn Nets won at home against the Orlando Magic, snapping their win streak at nine. That win streak, though, was tied for the longest in their franchise's history. Uh, and that previous longest win streak was the 2010 to 2011 NBA season when they were powered by you know Dwight Howard and they were a contending team. So that definitely is exciting for the Magic to see. Uh, Mikhail Bridge is a big part of why the Brooklyn Nets won 42 points, five boards, and three assists in this game, including 26 of those 42 points in the first quarter. Came out the gates, they were, it seemed like they were determined to beat the Magic and end the win streak. Uh, then the Milwaukee Bucks won at home against the Atlanta Hawks, 132 to 121. Uh, Trey Young versus Giannis. Trey Young with 32 points and 12 assists, but Giannis with his first triple double of the season, 32 points, 11 rebounds, and 10 assists to power the Bucks in this game. Then the Chicago Bulls won at home against the New Orleans Pelicans, 124 to 118. Kobe White with 31 points, nine boards, and six assists in the win. Uh, in that game, he also tied his career high with eight three-pointers in the game, and he tied a franchise record with his eighth straight game with at least three three-pointers. So a lot of fun statistical notes there. The Indiana Pacers won in Miami against the Heat, 144 to 129, your final. Uh, Jimmy Butler with 33-5-5 and five versus Bruce Brown, who had 30 points in the game. Uh, the Phoenix Suns won at home against Memphis Grizzlies, 116 to 109. Jaron Jackson Jr. with 37. Devin Booker with 34 points, 10 rebounds. The Utah Jazz won in overtime at home against the Portland Trailblazers, 118 to 113, your final score there. Um, the Sacramento Kings won at home against the Denver Nuggets, 123 to 117, despite Jokic. 36 points, 13 rebounds, and 14 assists. The Kings able to overcome all that. Another triple-double goes to waste for the Denver Nuggets and Nikola Jokic. And finally, the uh, Los Angeles Lakers won at home against the Houston Rockets, 107-97. to uh, Davis and Shingun both double-doubles in the game, dueling at the center position. And that takes care of our five-on-five drill and our sixth men. Real quick, we'll also breeze through the key news. We're going real quick. But uh, we're we're going to keep it going here. Uh, we have a quick transactional note or a couple transactional notes for the Memphis Grizzlies. They re-signed guard Jalen Noel to a second day, uh, second 10 day contract. So he's going to remain with the team for another 10 days. The Portland Trailblazers have been awarded a five point eight million dollar disabled player exception for Robert Williams, the third's season ending injury. So they'll be able to make some some roster oh. moves there. Um, some injury news. For the Pelicans, uh, Larry Nance Jr. re-aggravated his right rib fracture. He's expected to miss four to six more weeks. Definitely devastating news. 
For the Brooklyn Nets, Ben Simmons received an epidural injection for his lower back injury, and he will be reevaluated in two more weeks. Uh, for the Memphis Grizzlies, uh, Luke Kennard is expected to return in two to three weeks from a left knee bone bruise. Um, and those are the three injury updates we have, one of which these three players are the best in recovering from those injuries. And then some NBA-specific news, starting with the uh, in-season tournament trophies that were unveiled today. Um, of course, the NBA Cup, we'd already seen it in the imagery on the the courts for the tournament and the, the logos and the promotional imagery. Uh, pretty straightforward stuff. You know, a half basketball on top of a, you know, eight pillars and of course there's all sorts of meaning the eight pillars are the eight teams in the knockout rounds it's 23 inches tall representing 2023 the first year of the tournament all that fun stuff uh the tournament mvp has the uh the lines of a basketball the seams on their own standing on top of two pillars um the medals each player on the championship team will get a a, a championship medal which is pretty cool i don't think we have any other nba awards really at this point that have a a medallion of sorts uh if you're on the all tournament team you'll get this cool black with gold trim uh kind of basketball thing uh and there's five members of the all tournament team so those are some pretty cool trophies i definitely look them up if you want to check them out and then we have the uh, firstly, the last week, Julius Randle and De'Aaron Fox were named your NBA Players of the Week in the Eastern Conference and Western Conference, respectively. And then finally, your monthly awards, which is October and November combined, because we only have the first few weeks of October. Uh, firstly, your Coaches of the Month, Jamal Mosley of the Orlando Magic and Chris Finch of the Minnesota Timberwolves, named your Coaches of the Month in the East and the West, respectively. Uh, rookies of the month, Hame Hakez Jr. and Chet Holmgren named the NBA's rookies of the month in the East and the West. Hakez of the Heat and Holmgren of the Thunder. And then finally, your players of the month, Jason Tatum of the Boston Celtics and Nikola Jokic of the, the, the uh, Denver Nuggets named your NBA players of the month in the Eastern and Western Conference, respectively. I believe that's it for our game summaries and our key news. Wyatt. I kind of just ran right through it. Didn't give you much chance to comment on anything, (laughs) anything you wanted (laughs) to add on, on any of those notes, games, uh, news or anything before we jump into our next segment. Uh, The only thing that I, you know, kind of wanted to contribute is I did see the, some highlights of the ending of that Warriors Clippers game. Mm -hmm. Uh, I believe it was the Warriors Clippers, right? Where Steph took a deep three when he's double teamed. Uh, uh to possibly go when they're down to they were down two anyway and clay thompson and i think andrew wiggins was the other one both standing wide open on the right on the wing on the three-point line and they're like i i think there was some frustration there with uh you know with clay thompson feeling frustrated about that decision making there um yeah and there was it was probably hyperbolic, but, uh, you know, of course, reporters are going to be like, oh, is this the end, you know, of the of the championship core? Because everyone knows Draymond's washed up and, you know, Clay Thompson's had his struggles. And now yeah, I hear he might you. be having personal struggles with Steph. So, I mean... Anyway. Yeah, but I would say that's probably a bit of an overreaction on just that one game. Yeah. 
and you, you would say the I same so sure, but like yeah <laughs> yeah but it is funny I, but it's also like lately you know steph curry's performance compared to a lot of the warriors guys like would you blame him for just being like i just gotta yeah. take care of this <laughs> it's you know true. <laughs> like it's i've got to be the guy so uh yeah, yeah. Def- definitely a great point um and then yeah tatum and Jokic definitely deserving of players of the month uh Jokic especially i mean yeah. his averages so far or at least through those two months 29 points a game 13 rebounds 9.2 assists looking like an mvp candidate yet again but uh, that's certainly no no surprise for one of the greats of our generation. Um, and uh, yeah, I suppose that's it for that segment. Let's go ahead and move on. We're going to jump into our power rankings. Power rankings. Okay. For my power rankings, I actually had a ton of stability uh, especially compared to recent weeks, 12 teams stayed in the same spot, which is, I would proffer to say the most that have stayed in the same spot since like the opening weeks of the season. Um, and uh, the top three for me stays the same. I have the Celtics at one Timberwolves at two, the bucks at three Celtics and Timberwolves currently tied, or at least when I made this, they were tied for the best record in the NBA. Um, maybe some up- updates on that that we'll talk about next time from the in-season tournament but uh moving up into the uh top five or improving in the top five i have the nuggets up one to the four spot and the thunder up one to the five spot the magic continue to move up record wise you could certainly make a case for them being top five i have them at the sixth spot uh up three spots from last week where they were ninth they're sniffing the top five of the power rankings are right on the periphery but not quite there yet. I still want to see, you know, another week, maybe another couple weeks of the magic in that top group before I really say, okay, top five for sure. But they've been very impressive. Um, outside of that, the Philadelphia 76ers dropped out of the top 10. They fell four spots to number eight and they didn't have a particularly terrible week, but there's some injury concerns, you know, and maybe uh, they haven't been as exciting. You know, teams are starting to figure out the game plan a little bit, bit, bit more for Tyrese Maxey and Joel Embiid and that tandem. Um, otherwise, there wasn't, I mean, there were some bigger movers. I mean, the New York Knicks moved up six spots from the uh, 18th spot to the 12th spot. They were 3-0, and and they've been very impressive. One of the in-season tournament teams, definitely one to watch out for. Um, the uh, Pacers and the Heat fell a couple of spots. They struggled. And the Nets and the Clippers moved up. The Rockets and the Warriors especially, though, fell four spots each. Rockets in 19th, Warriors down to 21st, which is certainly the lowest they've been so far this year in my power rankings. And then otherwise, the bottom group, not a lot of movement other than the Spurs being now the second lowest, uh, just barely ahead of the Pistons, both those teams with lengthy losing streaks and definitely concerning stuff. But that's my power rankings. Wyatt, let's go ahead and hear what you've got, you know, maybe some some differences, some similarities uh, in power rankings. Yeah, for sure. And and just kind of a, a heads up here. I didn't do my power rankings last week, so mine's actually, you know, a two-week change. Um, but... My top group is pretty similar to Karsten's. I have Celtics first. I actually have Nuggets second, and then Timberwolves third, uh, and then Bucks fourth. So a little bit different there. Um, 
the Thunder I have in fifth, which as Karsten kind of mentioned, you know, so Thunder moved up four to get in the five, and then the Magic over the last two weeks to be sixth. So both of these teams kind of unexpected. I mean, the Thunder off started off a little warmer than the Magic, but based on last season, neither of us would have expected, or at least I can't speak for Karsten. I did not expect either of these teams to be anywhere near where they're at. So kudos to them. Um, but yeah, they're they're right there near the top, at least for now. Then I have the Kings still sitting in seventh. Uh, Sixers fell four to eight. Mavericks fell three to nine. And the Lakers uh, dropped two to 10th. So that rounds out my top 10. Other than that, you know, pretty little movement until we get down to 14th and 15th. Cavaliers and the Heat both fell four, uh, allowing for the Suns, Knicks, and Pacers to all move up one. The Clippers trying to claw their way back up from pretty a pretty low position on my power rankings. They moved up to two. Pelicans stay the same. Nets, Rockets, and Hawks all moved up despite the Rockets having a kind of a crappy week. But the Warriors and Raptors both fell. Warriors falling six uh, spots down to 21st, which is, I think, where Karsten has them as well. Did you say 21st or 23rd? Uh, 21st. So 21st. Yeah. So uh, the Warriors fell six and the Raptors fell three which both of those teams have been struggling lately. But, uh, you know, I, d- I would not be surprised if the Warriors have a turnaround uh, and really pick it back up again as the season goes on. Jazz, Bulls, and Hornets all stayed the same for me. Portland Trailblazers went up one. Grizzlies up one. Spurs down two. Wizards and Pistons stayed the same. So my second half of power rankings was pretty similar to – Two weeks ago, despite uh, except for the Warriors and Raptors fall. Gotcha. Yeah, definitely. Warriors again a talking point, and uh, especially if it continues to happen, we're certainly going to have some more talking points on the Warriors. The Draymond thing, you know, especially with you know he missed some games with the suspension, the Rudy Gobert incident. You know, we know this about Draymond, yeah. but it's definitely you know worth talking about. So. Yeah, things are starting to get set a little bit more, but definitely with the in-season tournament, it'll be interesting to see how how we kind of evaluate that in terms of teams, you know, being better than other teams and so on. But uh, yeah, I think that kind of takes care of our power rankings. Let's go ahead and jump into a segment we haven't been able to do for a couple of weeks, but we're going to do our DEFCON levels. We are at DEFCON 1. DEFCON 1. DEFCON levels. Okay, again, keeping with our theme of going a little bit quicker, we're only doing three uh, topics for this DEFCON levels. Wyatt's got the bookends, and I'll do one in the middle. Wyatt, go ahead and take it away. What's our first topic? First topic is going to be the Spurs today, Karsten. The Spurs are currently on a losing streak at 14 losses. Uh, They are struggling, obviously, right now. And I want to know what the DEFCON level is on the Spurs breaking their franchise record of most losses in a row, which was 16 set last year, uh, beginning on January 20th. 
uh, in a loss to the Clippers and ending with a win over the Jazz on February 28th. So a little over a month of straight of losing. Okay. Weeks or so. That's interesting. Now, again, if you're not familiar with this segment of the show, um, a higher number, it goes all the way up to five. Say a DEFCON five would be, don't worry about that. That's an overreaction, whatever. If it's a low number, the lowest is DEFCON one. That means red alert. Yes, this very much could happen. Now, on this topic, they, like you said, they've lost 14 games. The record for them, their franchise record is 16. That alone, I'm going to say... Uh, I'm going to go DEFCON 2, probably not quite, you know, full alert just because we know they have talented players. I mean, every NBA team does, but especially with Wemby, you know, I think that um, there's just something that's, uh, you know, it's hard to describe exactly what it is. You know, you can chalk it up to to youth and and inexperience. That's certainly part of it. But, um, you know, I I think some people, including myself going into it, were skeptical about the the weird lineup that. Popovich had, you know, Sohan at point guard when he was a power forward last season. And, you know, uh, I mean, Vassell and Johnson, those were guys were fine at, at shooting guard and, and small forward. But then, you know, Wemby at power forward, Zach Collins at center. I think the Sohan at point guard thing, I don't doubt Sohan as a player, but the point guard thing feels forced almost. You know, I'm not sure if they're even running that lineup anymore. So, I don't know. I would say two. Actually, I'm going to, I'm going to modify that. I'm going to say three just because um, they've, I know, but they've, (laughs) they've lost a lot of games, but uh, you know, to lose, you know, 16 or more to break that streak. I mean, you rarely ever see that. And I know that we're seeing it already in just the other conference, this very same season, but I don't know. What is their upcoming schedule? That's really the question. Like, who are the teams they're playing? <laughs> hey, that's that is true. Let's see here. Oh, they're playing Minnesota on uh Wednesday, and then they've got Chicago and then Houston. So if they lost to Minnesota and Chicago, that would tie it. If they lost to Houston, that would break it. They can beat either the Bulls or the Rockets. They can win one of those games. Right. So I'm going to say DEFCON 3 and leave it at that. Does that sound good? Yeah, that's fair. All right, fair enough. I'll go ahead and give you my scenario. And I kind of put Jamal Mosley slash Orlando Magic, but we're going to focus on Mosley, the head coach. And what is your DEFCON level, of course, with the Magic and their hot start? DEFCON level on Jamal Mosley's chances at the coach of the year this season. That's a good question because, you know, obviously with, uh, you know, if they're able to maintain this uh, trajectory that they're on here, mm. both him and the Thunders coach, whoever that is, they, <laughs> which I know I should be informed on this. That's okay. Um, but both of both of them, you know, had these huge turnout turnarounds. But I think the Thunder it was a little more expected uh, mm. for them to. I don't know, maybe not. They both have some great talent, but, uh, hmm. I don't know. I'll give it. I'll give it like a three as well. Because, uh, okay. I I'm torn between three and a four. Uh, okay. Three and a half. <laughs> <laughs> no. 
I'll I'll leave it at three, just because they they have been in. Now I'm going four. I've decided four. Just is that your final answer? Four is my final answer because they are off to a great start, but there's other factors. I was sticking with three originally because, you know, of the competition. Like they have the Thunder, they have conference winners. Um, you know, whoever ends up winning the conferences, the coaches of all of those teams are going to uh, be, you know, heavily talked about in this conversation, along with those that, you know, some others that we may not see yet. Like maybe the Clippers are going to just go on this 20 game win streak, finally figure out their star power here. And mm. people are going to be lauding to run Lou, who still coaches the Clippers, right? Yes, he does. Okay who managed to get these stars to all work together and, you know, have this incredible performance, you know, something like that could happen. So in addition to that, you know, you have the that the magic do not continue this streak, you know, or mm. this uh, performance so far. So that's what ended up bumping them down to the four. It's like, how much faith do I really have that this is going to continue like it has? Right. Yeah, fair enough. And it's kind of the same thing that makes me hesitant to move them into the top five because, you know, it's great to see their progress, but is it going to be sustainable? We don't know that quite for sure yet. So I think that's certainly fair. Right. Uh, yeah. Okay. Great one. Let's cool. go ahead and hear the last one you've got for me. Okay. This one, I've been torn about which way to spin it, but I think I'm going to say it this way. The, uh, Of the eight teams left in the in-season tournament, none of them will compete in the finals, the NBA finals. None of them will be in the finals. Now, that's interesting. Of course, the tournament has a healthy mix. It has teams like the Knicks and Pacers that are kind of in the – you know, fifth or sixth seed range, maybe even lower in their conferences. But it has a good amount of top teams. It has the Celtics and the Bucks in the East. And in the West, it has the Lakers and the Kings. I can see that a little more with the West. But to say that neither the Celtics or the Bucks are going to make the finals, probably the two favorites in the East, that's a little tough for me. So I'm actually going to go as far as to say DEFCON 5 on that because I think that might be our first DEFCON 5 we've had. But, you know, those two teams, I mean, who else would be up in the East after the Celtics and the Bucks at that point? It'd be like right, right now the Magic, the Sixers, the Knicks, of those kind of teams, the Pacers, the Heat, of course, in seven. I mean, the Heat would be, you know, always in the conversation, no matter the record almost. But uh, Sixers maybe, but you'd have to think yeah. Celtic, Celtics and Bucks chances combined – are going to be like easily over half. So I'm going to have to say DEFCON 5 on that. Well, but that's interesting to think about. Yeah, I will say I, I phrased this, you know, in with the knowledge that the the Celtics are out now. Yeah, you did yeah. do that. <laughs> we we That'll so, be a preview for what so we're talking about is, in the future. Right. <laughs> so... But yeah, still, still tough. Like I, I don't, I don't uh, disagree with your five. I'm just saying, had a uh, the Celt- like if the Celtics were still in the ball game, I, I definitely would have uh, rethought even phrasing it this way. See, my my other other uh, idea was 
what what is the what are the chances that the winner of the finals and is not in the is not in the uh will not be in the semifinals oh right of the in-season tournament but really that's almost asking you know what are the chances the nuggets or like defcon level of the nuggets winning <laughs> yeah or or i guess the celtics you know nuggets or celtics yeah i i get that and because oh. yeah there's a lot okay. of there's a few contenders that didn't even make the tournament so it's definitely an interesting question but uh no, yeah, definitely a fun scenario to to talk about. And uh, with that, I think that takes care of our DEFCON levels. Uh, we're moving through at a pretty good pace. So let's keep it going and let's jump right into our discussion for our weekly MVP. Weekly MVP. Now, again, with our emphasis on speed, this would have been a great week for a clear-cut candidate like week one when we had Luca. Um, not quite the case this week. I feel like we've got a good amount of of candidates that you could argue for. Um, our 10 that we have listed, we have De'Aaron Fox, Giannis Tedekupo, Nicole Jokic, Mikhail Bridges, Donovan Mitchell, Franz Wagner, Shea Gilders-Alexander, Jalen Brunson, Damian Lillard and Julius Randle. Of course, we have a couple pairs from teams. We have Giannis and Lillard from the Bucks. We got Brunson and Randle from the Knicks. Uh, so there's some interesting pairings there. Um, the only two that were undefeated, Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle, they were both 3-0 and in the week. Otherwise, the rest of the guys were 2-1. and There's a good mix. I probably have a guy that I'm rooting for a little bit harder than the others, but why? I'm going to let you take it away. Who jumps out to you? Jokic. Jokic, because you can't go wrong. 15 assists and one turnover. Yeah. 15 to 1, that man. Yeah. Which is bizarre. So, in addition to that, you know, he was third on the points, uh, getting almost 30 per game. Hmm. Uh, nine rebounds a game. Steals and blocks, he did, I feel like, a little bit better than normal. He had 1.3 steals and one block a game. So, mm. uh, you know, Beller there. I don't know. His percentages definitely could have been better. His field goal was 56, which is good. But the 3.22 and free throw 73, uh, mm. you know, could have been better. But then he is tied for the third highest plus minus score. So. You know, we don't really pay a ton of attention to that, but hmm. just a factor to throw out there. Yeah. So no, I think he that's immediately a, jumps a off. And, and then Giannis, Giannis uh, obviously has some stellar numbers too that I've been looking at. Hmm. But go ahead with yours. No, yeah, I would, Um, you know, I'm kind of keeping in the back of my mind the whole close of group play with uh, Fridays or not it wasn't Fridays. It was Tuesdays games being a part of this. Uh, Giannis being able to help power the Bucks to to winning their group in the the group play stage. You know, I think that's valuable. Um, along with Brunson and Randall for what the Knicks were able to do, and then De'Aaron Fox also, uh, even though he didn't have as great of a game from what I remember in that particular game. So that's kind of a, a small factor I want to you know throw out there for consideration. With that in mind, I'd probably lean towards Giannis a little bit or. You know, but Jokic is a great pick, uh, even though the Nuggets weren't really in the play in or not to play in the in-season tournament mix. Um, 
Mm-hmm. The guy I kind of was rooting for also that I alluded to was Julius Randle. Looking at it and thinking about it, I kind of maybe want to, you know, go more Jokic or Giannis based on, you know, the, the head-to-head numbers straight up. You know, even though he was 3-0, and I liked what he did. And Brunson as well. Shout out to those guys. But I think we could probably narrow it down to either Jokic or Giannis. I mean, those two guys clearly in the MVP mix as they are almost every year. And they were they were stellar again. Um, I would probably lean more Giannis. I mean, a little bit better percentages, more defensive numbers. Obviously, the assists weren't nearly what they were for Jokic, but uh, the the little bit better all round impact. I mean, assistant turnovers is the only thing that Jokic really had over Giannis. Um, but that would be my yeah. argument for sure. No, I I concur. Uh, especially Giannis's defensive numbers, like 2.3 blocks and steals per game. And his percentages mm-hmm. were even better too, including his three-point percentage, which isn't something, you know, we always see from Giannis. Just, mm. you know, good percentages and or percentages better than Jokic in general. Like Jokic and like doesn't seem to miss a whole lot. Uh, but yeah, this week, you know, his Giannis had even better numbers than than Jokic. 68 from the field, 25 mm-hmm. from the three, which isn't good, but it's uh, yeah. And then 82 free throw. I think that's almost more than anything. The 82% from free throw line. And we know that Giannis is maligned a little bit for his free throw struggles and his time that he takes yeah. to shoot the free throws or hit for him to knock those down <laughs> and contribute to winning basketball like that. You know, I think that's, that's a big one. So I would lean definitely towards Giannis. Yeah. And he's, you know, they're in the in-season tournament still, which is a factory i mean not not a huge one but it's it's fun to think about those things yeah for sure so i don't know it kind of sounds like maybe we're leaning Giannis. i don't know are we at a point where we think maybe we can yeah. lock that in i'll lock it in okay let's go ahead and do that in my vote for Giannis. we'll lock that in i'll i'll say that as well uh congratulations to Giannis and tenacupo of the milwaukee bucks for our week six Weekly MVP, Giannis, you're a little ways away in Milwaukee, but if you want to stop by the next time you're in Utah and you're playing the Jazz, we'd love to have you. We'll have some uh, some gyros or whatever you guys have over there in Greece. Um, but, uh, yeah, congratulations to Gyro. him. <laughs> yeah, is that how it's pronounced? I think it's Euro. Oh, it's Euro. Okay, we'll have a Euro or something. Who knows? But, um yeah, anyways, congratulations. Well deserved. With that, let's go ahead and jump into the forecast for this upcoming week of basketball and what we've got planned. It's a little bit of a unique schedule, but uh Tuesday is going to be the continuation of the quarterfinal round of the in-season tournament, starting with the East 1-4 matchup on TNT at 7:30. That's the uh New York Knicks traveling to Milwaukee to face Giannis's Bucks. How appropriate. And then the second game will be on TNT at 10 o'clock. That's your West quarterfinal where the Phoenix Suns will travel to Los Angeles to face the Lakers. Durant and LeBron in a, you know, faux playoff atmosphere, I think could be a little bit of fun. We haven't had that for a long time. We haven't had it since the, uh, I would think the, the 2019, not even 2019, 2018 finals when Durant was on the Warriors and LeBron carried the Cavs to the finals. So that should be a lot of fun, those two quarterfinal games. After that, we have a, a pretty full slate on Wednesday, 11 games, two national broadcasts, an ESPN doubleheader. At 7.30, the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves will host the 
uh, San Antonio Spurs. And then at 10 o'clock, the Denver Nuggets will travel to L.A. to face the Clippers. Your remaining games, three games at 7 o'clock, Wizards host the Sixers, Grizzlies in Detroit against the Pistons, and then the Cavaliers host the Magic. Two games at 7.30, the Atlanta Hawks hosting the Brooklyn Nets, and the Miami Heat traveling to Toronto to face the Raptors. Two games at 8 o'clock, the Houston Rockets hosting the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Chicago Bulls hosting the Charlotte Hornets. At 8.30, the Utah Jazz are in Dallas against the Mavericks. And then at 10 o'clock, the Golden State Warriors host the Portland Trailblazers. Those are your Wednesday games. Jumping into Thursday, <clears throat> we'll have the two semifinal games, which are, of course, played in Las Vegas. Firstly, on ESPN at 5 o'clock. Of course, the matchup is to be announced, but that's the East semifinal. And then your West semifinal will be on TNT at 9 o'clock. So those will be your two games on Thursday as well. And then on Friday, you have 13 games. <clears throat> and you have me clearing my throat. You have on ESPN at 10 o'clock, the Utah Jazz hosting the LA Clippers. That's your one national broadcast. Your remaining games, uh, three games at 7. The Sixers hosting the Hawks. The Magic hosting the Pistons. And the Raptors traveling to Charlotte to face the Hornets. At 7.30, the Wizards are in Brooklyn against the Nets. Three games at 8 o'clock, the Thunder hosting the Golden State Warriors. The Minnesota Timberwolves traveling to Memphis to face the Grizzlies. And then the Cavaliers in Miami against the Heat. At 8.30, the Spurs host the Bulls. Again, a chance for the Spurs to maybe try and break the losing streak. At 9 o'clock, the Nuggets host the Houston Rockets. And then at 10 o'clock, the Trailblazers will host the Mavericks. However, there are two other games that are to be announced that will include the teams that lost the quarterfinal games because again the tournament is all factored into the regular season games there's no extra games added with the tournament apart from the championship game those extra games that those tournament teams aren't playing in the semifinal those are factored in with those friday games where they will then play a regular season game. So that is to be announced as well. And that is our weekly forecast for you. We'll go ahead and get things wrapped up with our This Day in History fact. Uh, For this one, we're going back to 1997, December 4th of 1997. Golden State's Latrell Sprewell is suspended without pay for one year by NBA Commissioner David Stern. From what I have seen slash remember at this exact moment, Don't quote me on this. That's got to be one of the longest, if not the longest suspensions in NBA history. Um, You know, you don't count, uh, not counting like drug suspensions where it's like the two years uh, banned from playing in the NBA due to, you know, substance abuse or whatever it is. Outside of that, it's pretty unique. Of course, if you're not familiar, uh, there was an incident at a practice with, I believe it was... uh, not Rick Adelman, PJ Carlissimo was the head coach and Lachelle Sprewell got into it with the head coach and actually choked him at one point and was suspended one year for that kind of, and he was a rising star. I mean, he was an all-star. He was uh, all NBA type player at that point. And he still had a great career after that and helped lead the Knicks to the finals when they were an eighth seed, but definitely derailed what would have been an even better career. So definitely an interesting one note but otherwise uh that takes care of it why any closing thoughts on our our fact from this day in history or anything else uh no i was just thinking about john moran wondering when he's coming back that's true it definitely does bring to mind you know long-term suspensions 
when we'll see Ja. And I'm curious to see yeah. how he plays after that, after that long of an absence. You know, you imagine yeah, the, the talent still shines through, but it'll be interesting. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely echo that. But with that, uh, I guess we'll go ahead and wrap things up. Thanks again, everyone, for tuning in. We really appreciate it. Real quick, if you want to check out our social media pages uh, on Instagram and Facebook, we're at Crossover Across Time. Pretty straightforward. On Twitter or X, whichever you prefer, we're at X Over Across Time due to the character limit. On all three of those, you'll find uh, a link tree that will link to any of the other social media pages, but will also take you to the podcast itself. Of course, you're already listening, but if you're not aware of all the places we're able to be listened to, we're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and rss.com so definitely appreciate your support on the show with that i think that's it for us we'll go ahead and sign off and we'll be back with you uh actually tomorrow for our bonus franchise focus and then we'll be back on wednesday as well for our normal scheduled show Uh, again thank you for listening we'll see you then